You got your joke ready? Yeah. Good man. Christian and a Buddhist walk into a bar. My name is Jamal and I'm a Buddhist. I'm Jacob. I'm a Christian. What's going on today, Jacob? Are you always get in with that question before I can ask you what's going on, on in your day? My football team is is playing badly. Actually, my English football team is currently out in Australia, so that'll okay. date this podcast. <laughs> but we won't mention who the team is, and you can you can guess about it afterwards. But it's off season it's in off. England, so right. they're all touring around the place. Right. So, so, so the Brits are coming and playing football. Yeah, getting a bit of sunshine or something. They've come to our winter when it's their summer, which <laughs> seems the opposite way to do things. But you know, and your. Uh, football team is in your Australian rules football team or your NRL team? Or... My Australian rules football team. Um, I'll, I'll alienate, alienate half the audience by saying that I don't care for the, the rugby. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm an Adelaide fan for okay. my sins. Yes. Um, and yeah, no, it's not been a good few years. Yeah. If you're listening to this in like 2025 or something, we just want a premiership, like let me know because that, that would be nice. <laughs> Please write in. Jacob about the <laughs> Future football results. Yeah. yeah. Good. Love it. Um, you've got something for me today, Jacob. I certainly do, Jamal. Uh, I've got an article here by Jonathan Gold, who is a professor at Princeton University uh, in their Department of Religion and Centre for Culture, Society and Religion. Uh, and he's written a, an op-ed that's called Don't Hand Power to Dangerous People Even When They Really Want It, a, a Modest Buddhist Proposal. Uh, and I'm curious as to, to what you make of this. So his, his essential thesis is that um, people don't always want what's good for them. So we, we have this attraction uh, in populations generally, um, but especially within democratic um, institutions at the moment, that we want the security of a strong leader or even a ruthless one, especially in times of instability. Uh, and that leads on Gold's reading to unsuitable people becoming leaders of nations, um, such as Vladimir Putin, Donald Trump uh, in the United States is another one who is name-checked here. Um, and that if voters have a susceptibility to demagoguery, then we should put some checks and balances in place. Um, and he, he suggests a few that we'll come to, but just... Starting off with the, the thesis, is that a, a Buddhist idea that um, people are attracted to the wrong kind of leaders? Well, I, leaders I'm not so sure about, but certainly attracted to the wrong kinds of things, absolutely, right? So, you know, the, the core Buddhist tenets being that, you know, um, that the causes, well, the, the Four Noble Truths, that, that there is suffering in the world, that... that um, yeah, sometimes referred to as all life is suffering, but I feel like it's a little bit too too melodramatic. But you know, <laughs> so the Buddhist emos. Of the yeah, world. <laughs> the Buddhist emos. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, it's the, this idea that um that there will always be a level of suffering. There will always be a level of dissatisfaction with things, um, and that craving and aversion, wanting and not wanting things, are the root causes of that. Mm -hmm. Um. So yes, absolutely. So craving security. Um, leads to bad consequences. Craving anything leads yeah. to bad consequences, yeah. And so this idea that um, that people's wants and desires almost inherently will lead them down 
the wrong path that um you know the we have defilements as they're referred to in buddhism that are, mm-hmm. um, and he mentions those here as well yeah absolutely right so you know you the the act of following the buddhist path is to work through the process to um to clear out your defilements to um to let go of them so that they no longer um dilute your mind and and make you go towards things that that are, that are not actually gonna be good for you so yes um i the buddha did stay pretty far away from politics at least mm-hmm. in the um in his own time um and um but yes the the core tenet that uh people want things that are not good for them and they will likely pursue actions or pursue decisions that will lead them to their own suffering and to the suffering of others absolutely very very Buddhist. and so then what do you, what do you make of his solution um so he suggests here that um well he, he suggests that both donald trump and vladimir putin have uh, anti-social personality disorder um, which is a, a psychological diagnosis um and that candidates for high office ought to be screened for these things and there should be constitutional checks in place for them does that does that address the problem do you reckon so i mean i think i think there's there's a there's a psychological test of competency that that potentially can be applied here but i'm not quite so sure it's buddhist um okay so you know i i think the general idea of going well, is somebody a danger to society because they have, um, you know, a particular personality disorder or a particular um, uh, way of seeing and viewing the world um, that, that that's going to be harmful as for them as a leader? Absolutely. I think that there's an argument to be made there. I, again, I, I would, I kind of sit on the fence about that, though, because on one hand you go, you know, if we phrased it this way, if we said someone who is constantly in active schizophrenic episodes, should they be... The leader of a country i think a lot of people would say no but also um one of my core buddhist tenets is around this idea that you don't judge people for those things you don't you know you don't say well just because um you know just because you're experiencing these things that makes you incompetent or not able to be a you know legitimate member of society in any way you wish to be um or in any way others wish you to be in the case of elected leaders so that, well that's just <laughs> let's jump into that idea for a moment that idea of non-judgment um because there's a there's a difference isn't there between not judging someone and not and and like you know not excluding someone from society based on like whatever characteristics whether that's mental health or gender or whatever it might be there's a difference between that and saying well but you should be able to do anything you want to be Right, like you, you don't want a blind person driving a taxi to push the idea to its extreme. Like, and and the blind person, if they've got things together in themselves, I would expect should understand that. And as much as they might want to be a taxi driver, would would get that that's going to be harmful for themselves and others. Well, yeah, and I think this goes into this idea of um of of law and social norms and how we how we play that out. But I mean, I guess the core thing I would question there is that to me the buddhist concept of uh health and uh particularly mental health is that you know there's no such thing as to use your example there's no, there's no such thing as a blind person um there's a person who you know isn't able to see 
but they're not defined by their blindness. And I think it's the same with a lot of um, psychological conditions where, you know, you know, I mean, there, there are lots of people in the world who uh, are diagnosed as schizophrenic that, you know, that have these things. And I'm one of, um, I think I heard a story about how the, the chief uh, psychologist of Singapore um, when asked, you know, how do you treat schizophrenia? He said, I don't treat schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. I, I treat the person who is suffering from schizophrenia, from schizophrenic episodes, you know? And so there's this idea that, um, that any, any single factor is not someone's entire personality. So, you know, to bring this back to the case of political leaders that might be sociopathic, it's like, okay, you know, Vladimir Putin, Donald Trump, they might, uh, be people that behave in ways that are sociopathic or that have, um, harmful consequences but that doesn't mean that them as an individual that that's all of who they are now does that mean that we should exclude them from high office potentially right that we we might want a rule that says well anyone with sociopathic behaviors should be excluded from high office but i think it's difficult to apply that blanketly to like well you have this condition and you've got that condition i think once you start throwing in the um the 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 dsm manual at it 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 gets tricky right because there's a uh I forget who proposed it. I should probably know this. Um, But a Harvard scholar a few years ago proposed that um, people in senior leaderships in companies should have a seven-year term, Mm -hmm. end of, um, because they argued that beyond that point, you just you inevitably start developing narcissistic traits. And so it's it's not a static, you have this and and now you don't. And some would say this with Putin. Putin watchers of, of him over the last 20 years would say that um, his behaviour is not necessarily consistent with itself in the same way that my behaviour is not necessarily consistent with itself over a 20-year time frame. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a really interesting interesting thing. And so the one thing I did want to say on this, on from the Buddhist perspective, I guess, of mm. like, you know, um, do we have these people in leadership positions, and 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 you know, what do we what do we do about these screen for these specific conditions? I think. My, my personal Buddhist perspective is that there is always problems with every position, right? So we talk about suffering and people uh, having cravings and desires and then, you know, leading to um, to make decisions that cause suffering and that, you know, electing sociopaths that cause them suffering. And, like, yeah, of course, there is the suffering of having Donald Trump as your president. But as people are probably currently aware, there's also the suffering of having Joe Biden as your president. And there's also the suffering of having Barack Obama as your president. And this kind suffering. of ties ties into what we were talking about in the last episode uh, around moral injury, right? Yeah. And the fact that systems are inherently imperfect. Yeah, exactly right. And so it's like, well, absolutely, there is harm that is caused by people with quite problematic uh, views of themselves and of the world and all these things. But also, like, harm is caused by everything. You, you can't, you know... I think it's a little naive from a Buddhist perspective to think that you're going to solve society's problems or avoid the big issues by just making sure that, you know, Donald Trump is excluded from office. It's like, well, sure, but, you know, you can have the most, you know, quote-unquote sane person you want in office. There's still going to be suffering. There's still going to be issues (laughs) that happen. That's just the nature of the world. Is it not a worthy goal to um, adopt practices that are going to limit the suffering? Though, or, or well, mitigate it in some sense. According to Buddhism, the only way to limit and mitigate the suffering is to give up 
craving and aversion. So stop wanting things and stop running away from it. So it's the electorate that's the problem. That's <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, it's... Well, but again, I think, I think it is, though. It's the polarisation, right? It's the idea that I want my candidate, that I want someone that agrees with me, that I want, you know, or, and, or very, maybe even more so these days, I don't want this other person, mm-hmm. you know. People voted for Donald Trump because they didn't want Hillary Clinton. Right, and there's people now going around saying Joe Biden's not my president because I didn't vote for him. Right? Yeah, and, and so, you know, I, I mean, the only way to solve that from a society perspective is for society to collectively come to the position that, well, it's not about who and what we want or don't want. It's about, you know, acknowledging what we've got and trying to make the best with it. Um, so, you know, um, how you do that as a society, I don't know. Uh, if someone would like to tell me, that'll be great. Uh, we, can, we can fix all of our problems. But, you've kind of, you've, you've cut my, the, the big question I was trying to work to, you've cut it off at the past, which is um, should we, like, you know, could we have a, a Buddhist theocracy? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, is such a thing even imaginable? I mean, have you heard of Bhutan? I have, I have heard of Bhutan. Tell, to, like, I couldn't tell you about the governance structures of Bhutan. Sure. So, so tell me about it. So Bhutan, um, for those of you unaware, is a, uh, a country in the Tibetan Himalayan plateau. Uh, it's kind of sandwiched between Nepal and um, Tibet and China and, and everything. India. And... Yep. Um, now, Bhutan, um, I'm not 100% certain on this. I would have to look it up or ask my neighbours who are Bhutanese. But as far as I'm aware, Bhutan is a theocratic monarchy system. Um, so there is a king. Uh, the king still governs as the king. Um, I so none of this parliamentary democracy hoo-ha? No, I mean, I think there is um, there is a level of, um, you know, governing governance by committee. I don't think it's a, that's, <laughs> that's not an absolute monarchy. Um, but, yes, there is a king and the king governs. Um, and the constitution or the founding the, the the structural documents around that are explicitly buddhist um yep. so they they are it, it is a it is a buddhist um theological so, so what, what things do you put in a constitution to make it explicitly buddhist i i would have to take that one on notice and, okay. and come back to you on exactly like how they've done that um but but i, I do know that um that yes, it's it's very deliberately Buddhist and um, and very very theocratic, um, and Bhutan is a very very poor country. It does not have a very large um, uh, wealth base, GDP, anything like that. But Bhutan is perhaps most famously known for um, for the being the inventors of the gross national happiness index. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, their government has come out and explicitly said we don't care about GDP. Uh, we are not trying to grow our economy um, just for the for the sake of you know maximizing wealth. But we what we are trying to do is um, essentially increase the happiness of our people. Um, you know that probably looks like a, a bunch of situations where, as far as I'm aware, there are people still living in subsistence farming, and there's still people who um, who are in, I guess, relative uh, poverty globally. Mm-hmm. Um, but from everyone I've spoken to, um, for a country that is as poor as Bhutan, it's doing particularly well at feeding all its people and making sure everyone's doing okay and having people generally be happy and enjoy their life. And I, it's an interesting, um, yeah, it's an interesting approach. And I think it's one that, um, you see edging its way into the mainstream, you know, New Zealand recently adopted a, a wellbeing budget, uh, and there's these kinds of things in it. It's the, the, the gross national happiness index has been kind of 
touted by uh, more progressive politicians as, as an interesting thing to look at. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that evolves, but I think that that's an example of how you govern in a, in a Buddhist theocracy, right? It's um, where you effectively just, you know, you say, you know, we're not just trying to want things. We're not just trying to get more mm-hmm. of everything. We're, we're trying to take what we have and do the best we can with it. Because that's kind of my, part of my curiosity, I guess, around like how, how you would work this within Buddhism. Because if, if the goal of, as an individual Buddhist is to reach nirvana um, and the goal of um, monks and other leaders is at least in part to help other people with that with that detachment and um, re- reaching that goal like is, is there an extent to which a political leader can do that um, like you know we talk about Christian or certainly in Islamic states are uh, enforcing a particular view of morality and and those kind of things through the the legal system through through the legislative and governance process can is it is it possible to structure that in such a way that it um what was the word the um defilements that people have that you kind of is it possible to structure a system that helps to draw people out of those yeah, and I think we, we get into some really grey turf here, right? Because um, there is a constant debate in Buddhism as to the appropriateness of religious figures getting involved in politics mm-hmm. and, and as to whether or not um, there should be a religious element to social and societal organisation. Um, the kind of the traditionalists would say no, um, that the, the Buddha pretty much almost explicitly said, don't, don't do politics, right? Like... Um, in Australia, we have mandatory voting, and um, Buddhist monks get an exception. They, 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 Do they really? They, they don't have to vote because they, they a lot of well, a lot of the least Theravada Buddhist monks that I know, um, they go, well, no, it's against my religion to be involved in politics. And they've taken vows of poverty, so they can't pay the twenty dollar fine. Exactly right. right. So yes, yeah. so, so so they get an exception; they don't have to vote. Oh, that's fascinating. Um, I, did, I was not aware of that. Yeah. So so I think there is a um, so you know, there, there's certainly arms of Buddhism that would really argue against that. And then there are certain arms that are really um, are all about politics. You know, take the Tibetan movement and the Dalai Lama. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think um, uh, there's historically been a few Buddhist monastics involved in Sri Lankan politics uh, to a certain degree. Um, you know, I, I'm, I don't know too much about the politics of kind of North and Eastern Asia, but, you know, they'd be interested to hear, to, to learn about how that has intersected with with Buddhism, but yeah. Um, so to answer your question, like, is there a way of structuring it? Um, there's no single way that has been like, you know, the, the Buddha never laid down a law of how to structure social and governance mm-hmm. arrangements. Um, he did talk about governance arrangements of the monastic community and governance arrangements of uh, the Buddhist sangha, um, and those are quite democratic. Um, it's effectively a one monk, one vote kind yep. of system, and there are various kind of um, uh, committees uh, or conferences or whatever we'd call them, where you know, all the monks of a certain area would get together and make you know collective decisions about things and mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Um, and you know, um, even when it comes to you know the head of a monastery electing the abbot or whatever else, you know the I feel like the abbot is a position that gets, you know, once you're elected, you're elected for life. 
Um, but you know, who becomes the abbot is a is a collective decision, right? Kind of like a um, a justice in the Western yes. tradition. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And um and also you know it's very rare to find an abbot that rules with an iron fist. You know mm-hmm. that um that you know most monasteries operate at least functionally through a process of collective decision making. Um, would it be plausible to expand those governments? systems to to a wider society or is it too much specific about you know the the actual workings of a monastery and and relies on you know kind of the goodwill of outsiders to continue and so on well i guess the difficulty is that what it does rely on is it relies on a premise that everyone involved is actively engaged in the buddhist process and the buddhist well i mean and western democracy process. allegedly relies on a premise that everybody is actively involved and um takes an interest in the governance of the country and that's palpably not true yes exactly right and i think i think you'd run into similar problems right if you try to expand buddhist governance structures outside of the monastery um you probably very quickly run into a bunch of people that are not operating out of the premises of buddhism or out of the premises of you know uh attempting to achieve a consensus and being willing to let go of their own opinions and you mm-hmm. know you know meditating for six hours a day to try and you know make sure that they're not you know um that <laughs> they're not um making decisions based off defilements um and as soon as you kind of expand that out it, it might break i'm not sure yeah but that that's that's interesting actually because one of the suggestions that gold makes towards the end of this piece he says our, our current competitive structures exacerbate antisocial mental illness he's, he's talking particularly within politics um and so he, he makes a point that you made earlier that people aren't essentially ill or not people become mentally ill and are capable of healing um, and yet our, our competitive political structures exacerbate this. Um, fixing compassion and heedfulness among the conditions for success would incentivize ambitious people to take up meditation and other therapies that are known to counter this competition and mindfulness is, is part yeah. of what he talks about in all of this. Like, And, like, I... I, I your face when I read that gold. Yeah, well, like, I, I really like the idea of... Um, instilling meditative practices into people that achieve leadership positions. I mean, I think, I think that is very positive. I, and you know, I don't even think it needs to be Buddhist meditation, right? I think mm-hmm. prayer um, or, you know, just reflection or just therapy, right? Like, you know, <laughs> like, can we have a requirement that every member of parliament sees a therapist once a month? Like, I read a great article recently, actually, about couples therapy yeah. and millennials who have gone to couples therapy for various reasons have gone, oh, we're going to keep doing this. This is a great yeah. idea. Just, yeah. just, just, just put it in your code of conduct. Everyone has to see a therapist. Yeah. Right? Like, I, 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 I in the just, Jenkins review. Yeah, I think that's fine. <laughs> like, so like, I, I'm, I'm pro that. Right? I'm absolutely pro this idea that meditative practices and reflective practices are very, very positive things for leaders to do. I don't know that it works by trying to kind of surreptitiously incentivize politically ambitious people to take <laughs> up. Medit- you, you get the real narcissists and sociopaths then where they work out they've got to pretend to meditate to mm-hmm. game the system. And, like, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's this argument that, like, um, I, I've heard it in regards to racism, but I think it applies here too, which is, yeah, this whole, like, I, I would like my racism obvious, not discreet. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I, I want to know if if somebody, you know, is a is a sociopath. I, I don't want to. I don't want someone to be hiding and pretending to be kind, and actually they're completely self interested and 
don't care about anyone. Like that, that to me is a worse outcome than allowing people to publicly be, uh, you know, selfish and difficult people and then trusting the democratic process to not want to select those people. Like, I think that is a, that's a cleaner approach. And, you know, maybe there's an argument to say that, yeah, we should try and coach leaders to be less like that when they become leaders uh, as part of leadership training and maintenance. And there's an argument to say we should, you know, try and bring things into society that make us less susceptible to those kinds of people. And that's what I was wondering. Is there almost like, could you do, because uh, I, I agree that um, trying to, implement through coercion any sort of like it just goes against the practices of prayer or meditation or, or whatever and encourages keeping up appearances um but is there a place for i guess like i, I was thinking voter awareness campaigns but even um just around like societal awareness in general so one of the things i encouraged people to do prior to our federal election that we had earlier this year here in australia was just to to pray about their vote and just for the whole political system in general before they voted, um, which I think kind of goes to this a little bit. Like it just, it broadens yourself out. It's, it's a way to bring yourself beyond that self-interest of, you know, who, who's going to represent what I want and who's going to bring and, and focuses you more on, like I, w- I would say, what does God want to do within this system um, and how can it be more, more just and um, yeah. Yeah. And um yeah, I, th- I think there is a. I think religion can be a solution, but I think the problem is bigger, right? The problem is this idea that individuals should make decisions based on self-interest and based on, um, you know, kind of maximizing their own gains from situations, and that you know that, that we don't think communally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think meditative practices and religious practices can support transitioning away from that, but. Um, you know, I I, I, I I like it and I think it, it, it makes a kind of quirky, funny point, but I, I'm not quite sure that implementing a, a Buddhist-based psychological test for leaders is, is the uh, the most effective way to go about it. But, hey, you know what? If, if, if that's a first step and if enough people are on board with that, let's do it. We've tried everything else. It's worth a go. <laughs> exactly right. Oh, why not? Why not? Um, it's probably a good place to leave it. It is, except for one thing, Jacob. And what is oh, we that? haven't had the joke. I haven't had the joke. My apologies. We always get to the joke at the end, but that's okay. You've um, got to try and work it in earlier. I, I, we we I, need I thematic jokes. I, I, I get so caught up in the conversation that I just like I forget about it. They're like, oh, wait. That is joke. Um, or I try and shoehorn it in. I'll guide the conversation towards the joke, <laughs> and that's probably worse, right? Um, but a joke for this week is... Um, a Christian and a Buddhist walk into a bar, as mm-hmm. they always do each week. Um, and this week they're walking in, and the Buddhist is a um, is a coroner. Um, and oh, well, he was a coroner, and he's talking to the, the Christian about, I, I just got fired, like I just lost my job. Like they they walked in, they said, "No, nah, you're done. You know, you you you've breached our, our code of conduct. You you've got to go." And the Christian's like, "Oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. Like, you know, why did you get fired? Like, what did they say happened?" And he was like, "Well." Every time they'd have the little paper slip and they say, what's the cause of death? I'd write birth. <laughs> and they just, they just didn't like it. Yeah, I can see how that would rub you up the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Coroner's office. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, there goes the justice system. Birth is the cause of death. And, uh, <laughs> and that's all. Um, uh, actually, no, I, I, will, I will add a, a supplementary joke to that one, which is um, which is the time of the one I've heard that is um, that... Uh, 
that that life is is a sexually transmittable terminal disease. Um, and on that note, Jacob, uh, we're gonna we're gonna leave you. Uh, please feel free to send uh, your jokes and complaints to. Please send your jokes because we need better. <laughs> yeah, need better ones than this. Um, to ChristianBuddhistBar at gmail.com. All of our music this week, as always, is from Kevin McLeod. Thank you. Jamal, it's been wonderful chatting with you once again. Thank you very much. Uh, we will see you next week. See you then.